ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلوات الله وسلامه عليه اما بعد يقول المصنف رحمه الله تعالى الكبيرة الرابعة عشرة شرب الخمر وإن لم يذكر منه الإمام الذهبي may Allah have mercy upon him he said in the next kabira major crime the major sin is the sin of drinking alcohol even if a person doesn't become intoxicated or drunk as a result of drinking it it is still considered to be a kabira from the khaba'ir. Concerning this issue, ikhwani, the kabira of al-khamr, as you're going to see, is one of the major of the major crimes and the major sins and indiscretions that the abd al-mu'min can fall into. And al-khamr is everything that causes the mind to be closed. Any and everything that will cause the mind to be closed is al-khamr. Umar radiyallahu ta'ala anhu as an Imam al-Bukhari and Muslim have narrated in their books on the authority of Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu qal khataba Umar radiyallahu anhu ala minbari rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam faqal innama qad nazala tahreem al-khamr وَهِيَ مِنْ خَمْسَةِ أَشْيَاءٍ الْعِنَبْ وَالْتَمْرْ وَالْحَنْطَ وَالشَّعِيرْ وَالْعَصَلْ وَالْخَمْرُ مَا خَامْرَ الْعَقْلِ Umar got on top of the member of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he said Verily the ayats of khamr were revealed and khamr comes from five things, five basic things Intoxicants come from grapes, dates, from al-hinta, which is wheat, it comes from barley, and it comes from honey. And then he said, and this is the shahid, وَالْخَمْرُ ma خَامْرَ al And the khamr is the thing that causes the mind to become lost, closed, covered. And that's why the headpiece of the woman is called the khimar, from the word khamara and khamar, the intoxicant is from that. Her covering on her head is called the khimar because it covers the head. So those five basic things are what khamar comes from, intoxicants come from. But crack, cocaine, marijuana, heroin, all of those narcotics are considered to be khamar as well because they cover up a person's intellect. When a person drinks khamar or uses drugs, depending upon the type of drug it is, you will see his intellect become affected. He becomes a person who, even though he's a grown man, he's an adult, he, cannot, he can't articulate and speak clearly. He vomits like a little child in front of people. He may even use the bathroom on himself in front of other people. He falls down like a child because his mind has become preoccupied with the khamr. So the khamr is any and everything that causes the mind to become closed. 
And Imam al-Dahabi rahimahullah ta'ala made a point that we have to draw your attention to. He said from the major sins, number 14 is al-Khamar. Even if it doesn't make you drunk. Because there are some Muslims unfortunately who have proven Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam right when he said in an authentic hadith that's been collected by Imam al-Bukhari and other than him. Sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam. لَيَكُنَّنَّ مِنْ أُمَّةِ أَقْوَامِ يَسْتِحِلُونَ الْحِرَى وَالْحِرْ هُوَ الْفَرْجِ يعني يستحلون الزنا والحرير والخمر والمعازف وفي الرواية يسمونها بغير اسمها There are going to come some people from our ummah who are going to make halal so it means it was haram but they're going to attempt to make it halal they're going to attempt to make halal a zina. He's going to be told, you cannot marry your wife's daughter after consummating with her mother. And he says, I'm going to do it anyway. It's okay in the deen, as we've seen happen. He's going to try to make that halal and other issues of zina. And they also are going to try to make halal al-harir, silk that is worn by men. Well, it's only a tie. Well, it only has so much percentage of silk in it. Silk is haram on the men of this ummah. Unless the man has an udr, he has an excuse. He has some type of skin condition that he's compelled and forced to wear silk. As the companion Ka'b ibn Ujra radiallahu anhu was allowed to wear silk because he suffered from al-qamil and he suffered from a skin disease. They will also try to make khamar halal, make it permissible. And they will try to make music, musical instruments halal. If the instruments are haram, what comes as a result in the product of the instruments is halal or haram. So those people will come and we see those people. As it relates to al-khamar, when you listen to the people who say that khamar is halal, you would actually laugh. Ikhwani and some of their adillah and their hujuj. From the proofs that they use, Muslims, and from them the fuqaha even, especially from the Hanafi madhab, and this is not to pick on the Hanafi madhab, but what we have to do no matter what madhab you come from, no matter what masjid you're in, no matter who your imam is, you have to refer your affairs back to the Quran and the Sunnah, the way the companions understood it. And you cannot hide behind that thing what my imam said or my madhab said. Some of the major scholars of Al-Islam allow the drinking of khamar. Some major scholars. Because it requires a lot of consumption in order to make you become drunk. And that's why Imam Al-Dahabi said it's haram even if you don't become drunk. Some of the ulama from the top of the Hanafi madhab used to say it was permissible to drink the nabid, which was a type of alcoholic beverage that will get you drunk. It's like today, there are some alcoholic beverages, they say 5% alcohol, no alcohol. But then when you read it, it says 5% alcohol. No alcohol means it's not enough to get you drunk. That is haram, and it's not permissible for you to drink. So Imam al-Dahabi rahimahullah ta'ala made that distinction. It's not just with the Hanafi ulama. It's not all of them, just some of the major ones from amongst them. Al-Imam Sufyan al-Thawri was of that opinion. And the scholars and the ulama of Islam used to say, beware of the ulama from al-Basra and al-Kufa, because they used to allow the drinking of certain aspects of the khumur. 
that were clearly impermissible. The Prophet told us, "Sallallahu alaihi wa ala alihi wa sallam, Inna ma anhaqum an qalil ma askara kathiruhu." I prohibit you people from drinking a little bit of that liquid, which a lot of it is haram. If you consumed a lot of it and it made you drunk, then a little bit of it is also haram. He said, "Sallallahu alaihi wasallam." Whatever you can drink with two hands and it makes you drunk, then one hand is also haram for you. So whether the person gets drunk or he doesn't get drunk, it is khamar and it's not permissible to be consumed by the Muslim. He went on to use the book of Allah as his sunnah and his custom. And the first ayah that he brought is the statement of Allah Ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah, يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنَ الْخَمْرِ وَالْمَيْسِرِ قُلْ فِيهِمَا إِثْمٌ كَبِيرٌ And he stopped there with the ayah. They ask you, Ya Muhammad, about the consumption of alcohol, and they ask you about gambling. Tell them that in khamar and gambling is an ithm that is big. إِثْمٌ كَبِيرٌ So it's clear that khamar is a kabira from the kabair. And this ayah was revealed at the beginning of Al-Islam, in which our mother Aisha radiallahu anha said, had Allah revealed immediately the prohibition of Al-Khamr, many of the Arabs would have left this religion and they wouldn't have given up their desire and their need to drink Khamr. But it came in stages, in a tadaruj. This ayah was one of those ayahs that allowed them to drink. But it made it clear that in the Khamr is an ithm that is kabir. Because Allah called the Khamr ithm, the scholars of Islam said from the adilla that makes al-khamr haram, the statement of Allah Ta'ala, قُلْ إِنَّمَا حَرَّمَ رَبِّيَ الْفَوَاحِشِ مَا ظَهَرَ مِنْهَا وَمَا بَطْنِ وَالْإِثْمَ وَالْبَغِيَ بِغَيْلِ الْحَقِّ Tell them what my Allah has made haram is all of the fawahish, whether it is open or is done in secret, and the ithm, all of the sins, and from the sins is al-khamr, because Allah called it al-ithm. The rest of the ayat that al-imam al-dhahabi only used that portion to show that it was a kabira from the kabair, is that Allah Ta'ala said, يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَلَى الْخَمْرِ وَالْمَيْسِرِ قُلْ فِيهِمَا إِثْمٌ كَبِيرٌ وَمَنَافِعٌ لِلنَّاسِ وَإِثْمُهُمَا أَكْبَرُ مِنْ نَفْعِهِمَا They ask you about the khamr and gambling. Say that in both of them is a great sin and some benefit for the people. In khamr there is benefit, in gambling there is benefit, but the harm and the evil of it far outweighs the benefit. From the benefit of khamr, for the abna of the dunya, the people who sell khamr, is that you're going to make money. And if you're a businessman, and you have one of those shops that we have in our local communities, or you have a restaurant, it's a well-known fact. If you want to make a killing and you want to make a lot of money, then you have to put khamr in there, according to what people believe and think. The businessman who wants to be supported and he wants you to invest in his business, or he wants you to become a partner, when he tells the person, we won't have any khamr, he's going to pull out and say, I'm not going to be a partner because that's not a successful business. You have to have the khamr. In it is benefit. But it is a temporary benefit. From the benefit of khamr, and there's no doubt about it, is that when you eat and you drink wine, it helps you to digest your food, it makes you brave. The Arabs used to drink khamr like Quraysh were drinking khamr. 
on the night prior to Bedr. And they will give their poetry because the creative juices start to flow. And a man is able to tap into that creative source. So it's some benefit in khamar and in gambling. But the evil far outweighs the benefit. So we shall leave the khamar alone altogether. The second ayat is the statement that Allah Ta'ala said in the Qur'an, يَا أَيُّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِنَّمَا الْخَمْرُ وَالْمَيْسِرُ وَالْأَنصَابُ وَالْأَزْلَامُ رِجْسٌ مِّنْ أَمِنِ الشَّيْطَانِ فَاجْتَنِبُوهُ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ Oh, you believe. Verily, khamr and gambling and divination with arrows, trying to decide what you're going to do based upon pulling an arrow or pulling the lots which is permissible in Islam in a very restricted sense. The Prophet ﷺ, if he wanted to travel with one of his wives, because he had multiple wives, he would choose which wife he would travel with by pulling out halat. So that fate, the qadr, can decide what's going to happen. That's permissible. But what's not permissible is a person pulling an arrow or trying to decide what's going to happen based upon the arrow or the piece of paper that's pulled, thinking that that paper is the thing that when he pulls it, some catastrophe is going to happen in the trip. Some catastrophe is going to happen if he marries her. Some catastrophe is going to happen if he invests in that particular business. So the khamar and the gambling and the divination and slaughtering on the, uh, on the altars, all of that is riches and from the amal of a shaitan. It is dirty, it is khabif, it is no good, and it is from the actions of a shaitan. So both of those ayats are clear. He went on to bring a number of a hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that are qawiyya jiddin in their istidlam. He brought the statement of Al-Imam al-Dhahabi wa thabata an Ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhuma qal lamma nazala tahrim al-khamar masha al-sahabatu ba'duhu min ba'd wa qalu hurrimat al-khamar wa ju'ilat adlan lil-shirk وذهب عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله عنهما إلى أن الخمر أكبر الكبائر وهي بلا ريب أم الخبائث وقد لعن شاربها في غير ما حديثا He said that the ayahs of al-khamr when they were revealed that made the khamr haram the companions started going out in the streets of Medina and they started to inform each other Al-Khamar has become haram, totally, completely haram. And they took their vessels and their bottles of Al-Khamar and they started to throw them in the streets. So much so that the streets of Al-Medina were flowing with Khamar down the alleyways and down the main parts of the street. And you could smell Khamar because there were so many alcoholics and so many people were drinking at that time. Some of the best of the companions were drinking, like Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib radiallahu anhu, the uncle of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who sat with some of his friends and became intoxicated. Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu drove up to the masjid on his camel, got off of his camel and tied his camel up and went into the masjid to rest. And Abbas, the uncle of Rasulullah sallallahu said to the people, you want to see something? They said, sure. He got up, he slaughtered Ali's camel, cut off the hump, and they had a, a big laugh at the expense of Ali. Ali came out and saw his slaughtered camel, saw his money and his property destroyed, his riding beast for the jihad. And he was a poor man. 
He didn't go to his uncle and rebuke his uncle. He didn't take the affairs into his own hand and slap his uncle and get into a fight. He went to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Told Rasulullah what his uncle did. Rasulullah didn't say, Ali, you're my nephew. You accepted Islam way before Abbas. You must be telling the truth. You're from Ahl al-Bayt. He didn't say that. He went to Al-Abbas to find out what happened to Al-Abbas. Instead of Al-Abbas radiallahu anhu making istighfar, making tawbah, he said a word of kufr to Rasulullah as a result of being drunk. Al-Khamr will put on your mind a cover. He said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Muhammad, ma anta wa abuka illa abidun li. You and your father are my slaves. That is a statement of disbelief. To say that to Rasulullah. And then he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Inna al-Khamr, Umul Khaba'ith, Wa Akbar al-Kaba'ir, Man sharibaha, Waqa'a ala ummihi wa khalatihi wa ammatihi. Verily the Khamr is the mother of all dirty and nasty things. And it is the biggest of the major sins. Whoever drinks it, he will have relations with his mother, his maternal aunt, and his paternal aunt. All of them, not just this one or that one or this one. Because his mind is covered by the khamr. So that's why Imam al-Dahabi said, it is no doubt that it is the um al-khaba'ith. It is the mother of all dirty and nasty things. It will cause a man, as it happened here in the UK, to go into his brother's house and to stab his sister-in-law with a Rambo knife and kill her because he uses drugs. He smokes crack. It's the Umul Khaba'ith. He said that Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu was of the opinion that Khamar is the Akbar al-Kaba'ir based upon that hadith. But the way we understand that statement in that position of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma is that Khamar is the Akbar al-Kaba'ith after a shirk Abdullah ibn Abbas knew that. He knew that better than anyone in this dunya. That a shirk is the Akbar al-Kaba'ir. So the statement of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the way we understand it, Khamar being the Akbar al-Kaba'ir, means it is from the serious and most major of the sins. But no doubt, shirk is greater than that. And no doubt, murdering someone is greater than that. As a result of that, you get killed when you murder someone unjustly. You don't get killed when you drink al-khamr. He went on to say, Ikhwani, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam has cursed the person who drinks khamr. But it is beneficial for us to remind you that not only did Rasulullah curse that individual sallallahu alayhi wasallam, but Allah Azzawajal also cursed those individuals. And they didn't just curse the one who drinks the khamr. Everyone who cooperates in the spread of narcotics, khamr, crack, marijuana, even the doctor or the pharmacist who unnecessarily gives people narcotics, he's inside of this hukum. He says, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, atani Jibreel. فَقَالَ يَا مُحَمِّدٍ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَعْنَ الْخَمْرَ وَعَاصِرَهُ وَمُعْتَصِرَهُ 
وشاربه وحامله والمحمولة إليه وباعئه ومبتاعه وساقيه ومستقيه كلهم في كلهم في الإثم سواء يا محمد جبريل كيم said verily Allah has cursed the خمر and he cursed the one who picks the dates or he picks the grapes in order to squeeze it and he cursed the one who actually squeezes it and as near it is to squeeze it or to pick it for khamr as for the one who picks it to drink what is halal there's nothing wrong with that he also cursed the one who drinks it the one who carries it his job is he drives a big Heineken truck a Budweiser truck he's cursed the one who buys it the one who sells it the one who pours it the one who was poured for all of them are cursed and they are equal in the sin not only that he said al-ma'idah allati tushrab alayha al-khamr mal'una the table in which the khamr is consumed on it is cursed so when you go to a business meeting when you go to the restaurants that serve khamr it's not permissible for us to go to the restaurant that serves khamr it's not permissible muslim or non muslim the Muslim halal restaurants that serve khamr, we say here today, don't go there because the place that has a bar is mal'oon. The table where the khamr is being passed around is mal'oon. So Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam have cursed all of these people. He went on to say, rahimahullahu ta'ala, وَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam مَنْ شَرِبَ الْخَمْرِ فَجْلِدُوهُ فَإِنْ عَادَ فَجْلِدُوهُ وَهِيَ فَإِنْ شَرِبَهَا فَجْلِدُوهُ فَإِنْ شَرِبَهَا الرَّابِيَةِ فَاقْتُلُوهُ If a person drinks khamar once, then flog him. And if he drinks khamar a second time, flog him. If he returns and he drinks it a third time, then flog him. If he drinks it a fourth time, then kill him. That's the religion of Al-Islam. This hadith, ikhwani, is a mushkila hadith. And that's why the scholars who wrote books about the hadith that have some ishkal, problems with understanding, they put this hadith in those books. Like Al-Imam Al-Tahawi. Mushkila al-hadith. Those hadith that are difficult to understand or what they're saying is hard to accept because something is happening. There was a companion who was a prankster from amongst the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He used to drink khamar quite often and he was flogged more than three times. When he was being flogged the fourth time, Umar radiallahu anhu said, بِئْسَ الرَّجُ أَنْتَ مَا أَكْثُرُ مَا يُؤْتَ بِكَ أَفَلَا تَسْتَهِي You are a terrible man. How many times are you going to be brought and you're going to be flogged? Don't you have some hayat? Rasulullah looked at Umar radiallahu anhu, saw the ghir of Umar and he said, لَا تَكُنْ عَوْنًا لِلشَّيْطَانِ عَلَىٰ أَخِيكَ إِنَّهُ يُحِبُّ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولُهُ Don't be a helper to shaitan over your brother. Verily this man loves Allah and his messenger. That's how we also should look at the one who's trying to kick the habit of drugs. He's been hooked on drugs and he's making a serious effort. Committed himself 
just a place in order to kick the habit. We shouldn't ostracize him and us isolate him. We see from him efforts. We should try to help him. Cut is a narcotic. Cut is a khamr. That's not permissible. It's not on the level of Johnny Walker Red. It's not on the level of crack cocaine. But cut gets you high. When we see people making efforts to kick the habit, we should cooperate the way Rasulullah sallallahu took this man's situation into his husband. So the point is, if a man drinks khamar after the fourth time and he's to be killed, why didn't Rasulullah kill that particular man? And that man accepted Islam in Medina, in the latter part, after the hijrah. So what the scholars said, those who said that this ruling is abrogated, to kill him is abrogated, it is a very weak position. So it seems like the statement of Rasulullah whoever drinks it the fourth time kill him, is just to show the seriousness and the severity of the crime of drinking khamr. But the actual hukum or the had of killing doesn't seem to be what should be applied. Wallahu a'la wa'alam. It is a mas'ala khilafiya bayn al-ulama. Waqala Amr ibn al-Harith. Haddathni Amr ibn al-Shu'ib an abihi an jaddihi. Radiyallahu an. An abdillah ibn Amr an rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal. Man taraka salata sukra maratin wahida. فَكَأَنَّمَا كَانَتْ لَهُ الدُّنْيَا وَمَا عَلَيْهَا فَسُلِبَهَا وَمَنْ تَرَكَ الصَّلَاةِ أَرْبَ مَرَّاتِ سُكْرًا كَانَ حَقٍّ عَلَى اللَّهِ يَسْقِيَهُ مِنْ تِينَةِ الْخَبَالِ قِيلَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ وَمَا تِينَةُ الْخِبَالِ قَالْ أُصَارَةُ أَهْلِ الْجَهَنَّمِ The hadith said that the Prophet told us وسلم, whoever abandons the prayer one time as a, result, as a result of drinking khamar, it is as if that individual has in his possession all of the dunya, and because he left the salah, all of what he owned was taken away from him. And if he were to leave the salah four times as a result of drinking khamar, it is an obligation on Allah to cause him to drink from the sweat of the people of the hellfire. That's an authentic hadith. It's been collected by Imam Muslim with another narration. The Prophet says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Inna Allahi Ahda, Liman Yashrubul Al Muskir, and Yaskiyahu, Mintina Til Khabal, Kila Ya Rasulullah, Wama Tina Til Khabal, Kal Araku Ahlin Nar, Aw Kal Usara Ta Ahlun Nar, whoever drinks the Khamr. And he becomes drunk. It is an obligation on Allah to cause him to drink from the sweat or the pus of the people of the hellfire. Twenty one to discuss with you very briefly and mention an authentic hadith that is another hadith that is a mushkila. Because it would suggest that the person could not make tawbah. And that is his statement, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, shariba khamra لم يقبل الله له صلاة أربعين صباحا فإن تاب تاب الله عليه فإن آدى لم يقبل الله له صلاة أربعين صباحا فإن تاب تاب الله عليه 
فن آدا لم يقبل الله له صلاة أربعين صباحا فإن تاب تاب الله عليه وإن آدا في الرابع لم يقبل الله له صلاة أربعين صباحا وإن تاب لم يتب عليه وكان حق على الله يسقيه من الخبال Whoever drinks the khamar, Allah won't accept for him his prayer for 40 days. And if he makes tawbah, Allah will forgive him after that. And if he returns a second time and he drinks khamar, Allah won't forgive him his prayer for 40 days. He won't accept it for him for 40 days. But if he makes tawbah, Allah will forgive him. If he returns to the khamar the third time, Allah won't accept his salat for 40 days. If he makes tawbah, Allah will forgive him. If he returns to drinking the fourth time, Allah won't accept his tawbah. And if he makes tawbah, it won't be accepted from him. And Allah will cause him to drink from the khabal. And the khabal has already been mentioned and explained. It is the pus and the sweat of the people of the hellfire. Who is this ruling for? There are people who drink khamar from the Muslims right now. And they're praying as well. So does that mean that that individual is going to be in the hellfire? As we mentioned so many times, the way we understand this particular hadith is, the person who says that khamar is halal, he becomes a non-Muslim, and the punishment yawm al-qiyamah is this. But the Muslim, if he drank khamar six, seven, eight times, he returned to it, he has an addiction, he keeps falling into it. If he makes true tawbah, Allah will forgive him. And if he doesn't make tawbah, he's under the mashia of Allah if he dies with the kalima of a tawheed. If Allah wants, Allah will forgive him. If Allah doesn't want, Allah will put him and punish him in the hellfire. But he'll come out of the hellfire eventually. So the one who drinks khamar, and he has that fitna right now. Since he knows Allah won't accept his salat, can he abandon the salat? Because he's drinking khamar. That is a bigger kabair than the drinking of the khamar itself. Because abandoning the salat is kufr. And that's one of the natural results and causes of al-khamr. إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ الشَّيْطَانُ أَنْ يُوْقِعَ بَيْنَكُمْ الْأَدَاوَةَ وَالْبَغْدَاءَ فِي الْخَمِرِ وَالْمَيْسَرِ وَيَصُدُّكُمْ عَنْ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ وَعَنِ الصَّلَاةِ فَهَلْ أَنْتُمْ مُنْتَهُونَ Verily shaytan, with this khamr and gambling, all he wants to do is to create between you people enmity and hatred. Make you enemies one to another. And he wants to also cause you not to remember Allah. And to turn you away from the salat. So won't you people abandon it and stop drinking khamar and trafficking in khamar and drugs. So al-khamar, ikhwani, one of the natural results of it is that people are going to not remember Allah and they're not going to pray. Praying will break a man's high. He's getting high, and if he had to make salat, that's going to take his high away. He's not going to think about praying. But if he drinks, and he comes to his senses, he still has to pray. But his salat won't be accepted for 40 days. This is not a green light or a ticket to say, you can abandon the salat. And Imam al-Dhahabi finished this particular chapter with the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, مَنْ شَرِبَ الْخَمْرِ فِي الدُّنْيَا فَهُوَ حَرَامٌ عَلَيْهِ فِي الْآخِرَةِ Whoever drinks the khamr in the dunya, Allah will not allow him to drink khamr in the hereafter. 
the Muslims who say that khamar is permissible, from their thick of saying khamar is permissible, is that khamar is allowed to be consumed for Ahl al-Jannah. So therefore, since you can drink it in al-Jannah, you can drink it here in the dunya. If you don't drink a lot of khamar, then it is permissible. Allah Azawajal allowed khamar at one time, looking at the condition of the people. So now, my condition is that I need to drink the khamar in order to calm down, in order to do my work, and so forth and so on. Fiqh, that is sick, is saqeen, has no delil. And what we've been mentioning of the ahadith, none of the ahadith said, if you drink a lot or you drink a little. It says, مَنْ شَرِبَ الْخَمْرِ Whoever drinks khamr, a lot, a little, whatever the case is, it will be haram for you in the akhirah, because Allah Ta'ala has made it haram as a test here, just as He made it haram for a man to have more than four wives. In the akhirah, He'll have multiple women. So we cannot compare apples with oranges in this dunya. Khamr is haram here, is halal in Jannah. The milk in al-Jannah doesn't small, it doesn't spoil. And whoever saw a river in which milk is flowing and honey is flowing, who saw that? Those are from the ahkam and the affairs of the akhirah, and they should not be applied to the affairs of the dunya. So al-Khamr is a kabira from the kabair, and they should be left. I want to mention to you brothers who have teenage sons, and you brothers who have daughters as well, the person who drinks khamr, he'll have relationships with the people who normally he won't have relationships with. So it's a well-known fact. Those people who give themselves to exposing themselves to the nightlife, partying at the clubs, you allow your daughter to do that. You cannot sit comfortable that all your daughter is going to do is to rave and listen to music. Everyone knows in the club, get the girl to start drinking khamr, and the other things will follow. It's a natural result. It's a natural result. So Allah told us to ijtanibu the khamr. Stay away from it. Which is one of the clearest ways of showing that something is haram. It doesn't say don't drink it. Don't even come close to the khamr at all. We have a problem here in the city of Birmingham. A problem that comes as a result of music. Comes as a result of the Bollywood movies. Where the Hindus are drinking khamr. And the heroes are drinking khamr. And it's cool and acceptable to drink khamr. And they advertise khamr. And our children watch those heroes from the Bollywood movies. And take them as examples. The music that they listen to, especially the hip hop, is all about smoking marijuana. If your child listens to hip hop, I'm not saying that he smokes marijuana. But you need to keep an eye on her. And you need to keep an eye on her. Because they go hand in hand. Every Somalian in here, every Asian, every Muslim, don't have your head in the sand. Our children are smoking weed. And we don't know. Because we're out working, because we're not in the house, we don't know what's going on in our own home. Our daughters have Coca-Cola bottles with some Coca-Cola in it, some Pepsi in it, but also Bacardi rum is in there as well. And that's not funny because it's a reality. So anyone who is child is listening to hip-hop, 
and his idols are those hip-hop artists, and he dresses like them, and he's talking like them, then you can rest assured, more than likely, there's a high percentage that, and a high probability, your child is smoking marijuana. So how do you know? I'm going to tell you right here. You take your child and you look at his fingers. If the child is smoking marijuana, when the marijuana cigarette gets low, they continue to smoke it and it burns the finger and it leaves a mark. Smell him. Smell his clothes. Anyone who smokes cigarettes, we know he smokes from his clothes. There are signs. So we are not in our country anymore. We're in the United Kingdom. And you better catch up and realize what's going on. There are things you can look for. The glassy eyes, the lies, when they get what they call the munchies. He eats a whole box of cornflakes in one night. He eats all of the donuts in one setting. Your child has the munchies. There's something going on from the chemicals of marijuana that triggers a person. Something inside of him, chemicals, that makes him want to eat. That's why people in America who suffer from HIV, if a person suffers from HIV in America, they get permission, medical permission to smoke marijuana because it helps them to have an appetite. So if your child comes in and he's eating like that, that's a sign. He's coming in late, that's a sign. Stop being an absent father, an absent parent, leaving everything to your wife. That's your child, that's your daughter. Both of you, you and your wife, are responsible for the amana of taking care of our children. We're going to stop here inshallah ta'ala, and we're not going to deal with any questions today. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to save the youth and the shabab of the Muslims, especially here in the city of Birmingham where marijuana use is rampant in all of the Muslim communities, whether it's the Somalians, whether it's the Asians, wherever you go, this is a problem, an ongoing problem that needs to be tackled. And good leadership, ikhwani, good leadership for the Muslims are the people who can put aside their petty differences the petty differences, and come together to tackle issues like this. How are we going to stop our children and how are we going to address the drug problem in the schools? Our children and our hifz al-Qur'an, tahfiz al-Qur'an. I ask them all the time. How many of you are in Muslim school? How many of you are in the non-Muslim school? Those ones who are in the Muslim school, they said, Muslim children smoke cigarettes. Muslim children, they're smoking marijuana in the Muslim school. On the grounds of the Muslim school. Before they go into the Muslim school. So the leadership of the Muslims, they need to address these issues. And if they don't, they're not qualified and competent leaders. No matter what masjid they come to. No matter what masjid they're a part of. They're not qualified, competent leaders. To have them at each other's throats and necks over these other peripheral, smaller issues, it is a shame. We need to get plugged into what's going on in the schools as it relates to our Muslim children who are the future of our ummah.